All right, it's Michael Toner with Off the Record, On the Rocks, reporting from just outside the White House. Uh, a lot of AI discussion going down. Biden had to get on the helicopter, but uh, it's good to be here in the most powerful building in the world. Peace. Grab a drink. It's time for another episode of Off the Record, On the Rocks. Join Michael Toner and Ankarina Lara as we discuss the latest in all things Web3, AI, metaverse, and crypto. Tune out the noise and turn up the signal as we pour ourselves into the future. I got Better make mine a double. storage device. I'm trying to drive around and put in safety deposit boxes, get ready for the holidays. You know, I'm trying to get some wine, trying to get some candy, trying to give gifts. I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to be the king of jingling. We, yes, <laughs> halfway through December here. It's supposed to be this entering into the holidays. It does feel busy. I got two DC stories. We'll we'll pick it right up from uh, the White House tour. It was mm. really, really incredible. You walk through the East Wing or coming up to the East Wing. I'll, I'll, I'll take you back outside getting through security. When, you, when you're going to tour the White House, the first sort of layer, uh, the, the person checking your tickets, if you will, is the National Park Service. So there's literally oh. a park ranger at the corner uh, who hand, you're handing your ticket to. And it's because it's it's presidential park. So uh, if you're a national park ranger, if you're a park ranger and you get assigned to a national park, Washington, D.C. and the, the perimeter of the White House is one of the national parks. So you're, you're handing your ticket. But what I told Ashley and I told the kids, it's like, it's almost like an affront of like, oh, this is so cute. We're going to a national park. But within two feet, I'm, I'm not even kidding, like within two feet of handing the ticket, you are then greeted by uh, a Secret Service agent with a dog uh, who who doesn't care about your ticket. Um, they re- literally don't. Uh, he cares <laughs> about all that bad stuff you got in your pockets. So they're they're walking you through. There's two layers. Um, it was really really incredible. Quite a unique and special experience to walk through the residential part of the White House. It cle- it was clear to me that the this part of the White House is not open all the time because there are parts um, where they've sort of rolled back the carpet in the main dining room. So you're not like actually treading on the, the official state room uh, dinner room, but we got to go through the green room, the blue room, that one of the main dining halls uh, really, really incredible to see it decorated. Um, I at one point did get yelled at by secret service. I went to the, as you come around to the front of the white house, so through the East wing now facing um I guess you'd be facing north at that point. Um, coming out the north entrance, I, I saw a window and I went and pulled back the blinds and I really wasn't thinking. And the Secret Service guy, and I, my kids were with me and I, I laughed and told them I ended up being the one getting uh, getting in trouble from the Secret Service. Step away from the window, sir. He, he, sell, he yells at me. I was like, oh, 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 it's just looking out the window. It does make you think uh, we did get to see Joe Biden. Uh, I didn't even I should I should have led with that part. We were in what? Uh, we're in for less than 10 minutes and we hear the helicopter uh, coming inbound. And I see there's a Secret Service guy standing in one of the corners of the room. Nice navy blue suit. got his earpiece in kind of holding his lapel, uh, scanning the room. And I go straight to him. So I go back to the back corner and I said, uh, I said, who's who's getting on the helicopter? Is, is Biden getting on the helicopter? And he looked at me and he said, there's a lot of people getting on the helicopter. And, and I, kind of, I kind of took the hint. Uh, so I walk over back to the window to get a better view. And sure enough, uh, Joe Biden walks out of the East Wing. I'm more than, you know, 25 yards. I walk him, watch him walk on to Marine One. 
Um, yeah. You watch the Marine come over. It is a military mission at that point. They are closing the door and, you know, you're talking within 10, 15 seconds uh, airborne. I don't, you know, nobody's having to read him the safety protocol on, on the helicopter. Um, and what was really crazy is by the time I turned back around from the, from the time I talked to the secret service agent in the corner, walked back to the window, I said, seconds helicopter gone. I turned over my shoulder. I said, and he was gone. I said, who's he had disappeared. And my guess is he, you know, he's his objective is to have that eyesight from inside the home at that time during that location. But the moment the president's out of sight, I said, who's off? He's gone, right? He's he's probably off duty at that point. Yeah. Or onto his next position guarding whatever the next thing is. So when you come in there, though, I know you're kind of like peeking at the curtain a few times, which seems like you're playing a little, you know, tight wire act with the old Secret Service guys. But what I meant about the, your pockets is like, are you able to bring phones, cameras? Like, how, how much tech can you get in there? Because I know we recorded it on our steps. So outside you had it, but were you able to like sneak yeah, around? Yeah, from inside. I've got pictures I can show you from inside oh, wow. and video. Amazing. So yeah, I could bring my I could bring my phone and um, and take pictures of all the decorations, get some family family photos and really got to kind of take your time walking through the, all the different rooms. You know, there were some that were roped off. Um, but then the others, as you got to the second level, so you got to tour both sides or both levels. Um, well, for, for future off the record on the rocks mission at the white house is we got a live stream part of our episode from the white house. I don't know how that's going to go down. That might actually <laughs> might have getting tackled by secret service, but if you sort of just pretended that you were talking to yourself somehow, or I don't know, no, that's really cool, man. And so while you were there, any papers laying around, did you happen to see any like crumpled up spot Bitcoin ETF applications just in trash cans that mm, did have like, push, kick the can down the road, a lot of artificial intelligence, Christmas trees. None of those trees are real in the white house. Um, so <laughs> who knows what they're doing? Uh, no, I, I, no papers laying around, but, uh, did feel, feel the energy. Honestly, Biden was leaving. So of course I then I'm Googling, where is he going? Uh, it looks like he was heading your way. I think that speech he gave that morning may have been out in L.A. Uh, oh, maybe about the sort of culmination of the the writer strike. So the unions, we got it. We got to get to. It's been a yeah. lot of news. Unions, AI, big in the news. Not just about the Hollywood writer strike, but now you've got the AFL CIO, uh, the biggest labor union, I believe, in the United States, striking this deal yeah. with Microsoft. That seemed really interesting to me. That. Microsoft had their hands in that piece of it. We've got Bitcoin changes. I ah, and I'll get to another story. Um, but tell me what's on your mind uh, of all the things that have transpired in the past couple of weeks, and and what what are the next couple of days? We got some Fed speak coming out today. What's it going to look yeah, like? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been watching a couple of things. Two main threads for me. Um, I mean, again, it's so awesome that you were able to be at the White House and have an experience. I just love that. I love the level of access we able to get, even with our you know, our, 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 our small, but growing following. Um, and when I think about the two threads that are happening now, one is AI, but AI, like you said, Biden's flying out and they're talking about AI and the writers, room, which usually is how it goes hand in hand. They say AI in Hollywood and then the writers room. It, it's an obvious, it's an obvious and it's an understandable point because everyone understands that there's a room with people in Hollywood that they're writing content for shows, TV and movies or whatever streaming um and if there is ai that everyone's familiar with like a chat gpt for example then you can see very easily how a computer or ai could write a script so people kind of get that there needs to be some way to manage that use case but the new unions you're describing are really not talking about 
expansion of of the workforces that exist outside of Hollywood. This is now people who are working in all kinds of different markets and all kinds of different capacities. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of that talk that my grandfather, my late grandfather, used to say because he was a railroad man and he uh, was a train spotter. He would go and with his uh, eyepiece, he could see the train coming from a ways away and him and his boyhood friends would try to call the brand of the train, the number, like the, all the different colors and the symbols that you could watch the guy putting the flags up and the lights are all these different symbols, almost like those maritime ship symbols, similar thing for trains. And uh, he poured his whole existence and his whole life into it. And then one day everyone started making freeways and cars and suddenly trains were gone and the technology was gone. And it wasn't AI at the time, but it was completely supplanted by another form of mechanized uh, technology. So when I think about this new workforce, I don't know if you caught that, that uh, link I sent you from that guy on, on LinkedIn, but there are now these full functioning, I mean, for lack of a better term, they're like droids. I don't know if you've seen them. Like They look like those droids that deliver food out in LA, like they call them Coco. But there's a little square box-shaped droid, stands no more than three feet tall, has wheels on it, usually one or two wildly articulated arms. And the demo I saw was in a hospital this droid was going and oh, yeah. opening doors and cleaning all the restrooms and doing it in such a way that you or me could be in the restroom, I like said, who's... going to the restroom because it detects if someone's in the stall. So it can, it can go and clean like without having to put up the rope that you see today, like at airports saying, sorry, you know, this bathroom was being cleaned. You can't come in. Which of course for travelers is very inconvenient. So when I think about these unions and unionizing and thinking about AI, there are a lot of jobs. I mean, I just mentioned a janitorial type of position, but there's so many others where if you have a droid and you have an articulated arm, like for example, in Los Angeles, just this past week, they just opened up another or, or maybe they reopened a Cali Burger. Have you ever heard of Cali Burger? A Cali Burger is an articulated arm robot who sits in front of a flat top and just makes burgers and fries and does it really darn good. <laughs> you can tell it exactly what you want and how you the temperature and it just does it. So it's like, oh, damn, like, you know, I told my nephew, if you're not going to get a job right now, I don't think you should go into any type of industries where a multi-articulated arm can do it for you. So to me, that's one of the biggest stories coming out of this last week or two. Again, AI, stealing that narrative, right? Everyone wants to talk AI. It, it is really, really is. It's a big obstacle for that. I think this one, this article from Axios, this is uh, from Ryan Heath and Maria Curl at Axios, just talking about the the AI-powered workplaces. And so, you know, I think there are places, and it sounds like this is kind of where the negotiations are are netting out, which is that there are appropriate places where humans should be using AI to better their job, to improve the outcome, to make it faster, more efficient. There are, the labor unions are are open uh, to to using AI that improves their job outcomes or improves safety or, you know, that, but, but then when you think about like cleaning a bathroom, I don't know, there are people who for, for them, that is a great job. That is a good job. That is a paying job. But if a robot can do it, then is it really up to the employer to say, okay, we're going to bring robots in where it makes sense, but then we need these people to, I don't know, reload the robots with. Well, manage, yeah, manage the robots. Manage the robots. Someone to be in charge of the fleet. Um, sure. So, Robots are not going to manage robots out of the gate. Eventually, maybe we get there. But this first thing mean, we're talking about is crossing a line, right? This is like a Rubicon, which is once we allow AI into the workforce and we create the parameters to which we're comfortable allowing it, which we know is inevitable, right? It's not like 
we are going, we as a culture are going to prevent AI from assisting in the workforce. This is the natural progression of how we're going to become more productive and successful as a species. But it's how then do we manage that integration into the workforce? You're not going to snap your fingers and replace everybody tomorrow, but you are going to introduce interesting new technologies that will make the the jobs and the livelihoods of those individuals better. Um, you know, and it may be some there'll be some rough patches maybe where there's some types of jobs and some types of businesses that maybe could be you know 100 AI. Like I, I actually think about um, this is a real weird one. But I was recently buying a fish for a kid for a birthday party. So you go to buy a fish at like. Petco or whatever. There's a whole section with all these aquariums, all these different fancy looking tropical fishes. You can buy one, five, whatever, how many you want to. But there's this kid who goes around and he feeds all of them. And he was talking to his uh, coworker about how he had just seen this track you can get and it will create like a little um, computer kind of AI, almost like a little train car. It will go across the tops of these aquariums and at the right time just dump a little fish food. And then that kid no, he just has to make sure that the batteries are running or whatever, but the stuff watch in. it. But it's gonna make his job infinitely better. It's like climbing up on ladders trying to feed a bunch of fish that won't last a week anyway. You know, it's it's really interesting how it's gonna be everywhere. It almost is gonna pop up around you, you won't even notice. I I, I want to try to connect a couple dots because there's a couple other things we need to get to. One that's standing out to me, it, it doesn't seem related, but news breaking this week about China infiltrating US uh like military bases. And, yeah. and ports and and utilities and and this kind of China hacking thing, which is interesting because of the AI talks that we know Xi Jinping was having with Biden. I'm going to pull this all the way back around to the other thing that happened in the past couple of days was that I believe the EU has come to some uh, solidified AI regulation on like what generative AI means for ownership. Uh, who owns what gets used, what it can be used to create, what it can't be used to create. They're putting some some guidance and limitations, like they're going to be the first to get to that regulation. And then I heard there was sort of a U.S. response to that regulation that said that if we were to sort of adopt those EU rules, that we would be losing to China already, that the regulations were so prohibitive in terms of uh, the technological advances that that are going to be required of American of Americans, the technologies that Americans and workers are going to need to use to compete on a global scale would be impeded by this new European regulation. And then at the same time, China's sort of showing us with this this you know I'm guessing multi-channel uh, hacking attack into utilities. And you think about AI, and I know we weren't going to go to the militarization piece of this because it is, but but I'll stick to the jobs piece of it which is to say that's now interesting when the regulation could actually prohibit what the U.S. is seeing as a, a competitive differentiator. And that makes me wonder if the SEC, and, and I did hear that out of this military spending bill, all of the crypto stuff got pulled out. Mm-hmm. And now how does that get tied back around to, well, the SEC is going to regulate that. Just wait, guys, wait, guys, don't put that in the spending bill. We got that piece over here. You guys worry about the spending bill. Get that done before Christmas. Get Ukraine their money. Get that paid for. We're going to have the Bitcoin ETF, the 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 payment rails to roll this stuff out. And by the way, we'll roll out the AI regulation because we already had to solve that because we had to solve the ability to have real-time payments and we needed a AI to be able to, uh, to know who the bad actors were. Th- I don't know. That takes me to then. No, so 
it, well, what you just said though about uh, where's it going to take you before I chime in real quick? Go for where's it taking you? So what I what I hear that it, it's the the interesting cultural dynamic of I mean, look for lack of a better term, and to put it just in crass buckets, but like the East versus West in this case uh, is that the West has through Europe has come up with a like you said a comprehensive regulation of AI, like this beginning document that the European parliament or however it's called sort of all agrees that the eurozone is going to follow this and what are some of the main things about that now, i haven't parsed through the entire doc but some of the obvious ones that stick out if you were to look at what they're saying and that what the united states is considering adopting versus what china is saying one of the core things is okay well in eu we want to protect uh, people's fundamental rights and their democracy and environmental sustainability and um your your uh, privacy protection we want to protect you from all these things. We don't want AI to take your rights away. We don't want AI to uh, falsely, like I guess, imprison you and take away your democracy. Um, we don't want AI to decide things for you in our in our court of law that your peers should be deciding. We don't want AI to be so robust that it destroys the environment in the process. And we don't want privacy, uh, you know, absconded with. Okay, it all sounds good. Well, now we go over to China. China's like, well, what are you talking about? Well, we're whoa. about to destroy this environment. We want to know everything day. about you. And we're going to scan everybody's face, and yeah. nobody can say anything because that's how we're going to do it. And we talk about like having a surveillance partner right, in China. <laughs> is, they, this is what they do. They surveil their people, and they control them that way. Now, you w- might argue that, well, isn't Microsoft – with their iris scanning and is it apple with its face scanning and is it just not the government aren't we we accomplishing the same thing effectively the chinese government is doing and just that it just takes one phone call ding 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 doj to say like yo turn over all that data so it it, it feels like we have people talking out of both sides of their mouths and kind of artificially creating this east west and again vilifying china in a weird way but yet at the same time again out of both sides of our mouth we're like so excited about sending the pandas around and talking about how we're not going to let the AI uh, warplanes drop nukes on people. So there's like so much fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So many weird news stories that are making it seem like I feel like there's an artificial foil being created between the two, when in fact, it's all steering to the same darn place, which is the governments are going to get all your data. They just are. And whether it comes through cameras on the side of the road or comes through military helicopters or satellites, or it comes through your phone, it's still going to get to the government. So we're splitting hairs, I think. Again, it's a war of words. It feels like we're all heading to the same place, that same singularity when it comes to this AI data gathering. And and you mentioned Apple, and I saw some of the other news that there's uh, Apple being held in the EU for some antitrust lawsuit. I don't know if you caught this. I think this just broke today. Oh, I missed this one. I missed so, this one. Again, I don't have the details, but this is how like I consume news. Like I hear all these little teeny tiny little bits and I'm like, all of this is related because if the EU is going to go down that path and put a line in the sand, then they obviously have to then hold Apple accountable to say, oh, wait a second. Like Apple all of a sudden becomes the the Chinese equivalent of TikTok, right? We've heard that narrative here in the States for a really long yeah. time. But if Apple's based in, in Cupertino and you've got a bunch of Europeans over there saying, oh, wait a second. <laughs> this government apparatus, aka Apple, um, is collecting all of our European data. We we can't have them do that. That's counter to what this rules and regulation that we just put out. And now you do get this very interesting swirl of these cultural differences about privacy, about identity, about who owns it, uh, about how we transact with one another in value. I mean, it's 
really, really interesting to me. Also, I'll put another like political piece in this, which is the financial markets. Bitcoin is is booming. Uh, I, I started to go down this path earlier. I went to a Crypto Friends DC. Shout out to uh, Gilberto and the Crypto Friends DC team. I got to go uh, into Adams Morgan last night and there's a really tight knit group of uh, crypto Web3 friends in the DC area. Some folks I had met or known through the DMs. Um, I was cool. definitely promoting the podcast. So any of you guys listening in uh, from DC, thanks. Um, but the topic there around the economy and the getting the economy booming as we head into 2024, sometime in the past seven days, Biden on record saying we've hit, quote, a sweet spot in okay. the economy. And I read that headline. It was like, yes, we sure have. And, and that is the sweet spot where we need to be right now as we head into what is hope a hopefully a peaceful and joyous holiday period uh, to get us into Q1 where all of this stuff is about to hit the happening, the Bitcoin ETF, AI rules and regulation and guidance, Microsoft coming, Apple coming. It's it's all stacked. The dominoes are stacked for a booming well, 2024. And, and that sweet spot when you're describing why I read stuff like that is it, it isn't just the economy, but that's when someone sits back and smiles and says, all those things that you just mentioned have been slotting into place in this one perfect crucible as we head into um, to next year. And even the talk of the SEC having active conversations with these big players is something that wasn't happening months ago, right? Remember, it was, oh, the, the, the applications are going to this black box. No one knows who, you know, who's looking at them. Uh, they're being denied because just programmatically because they don't have the correct partners listed and the correct textures listed and everyone feels like they're learning on the fly like so it almost feels like they're making up the requirements as they go but then you see how you know our president will start talking about well actually part of them not allowing any of those applications to be complete allowed them to align everything in the timing for that sweet spot going into Christmas. And what did we hear just a week between Thanksgiving and the start of December? Well, now, gosh, Fidelity is talking to the SEC. BlackRock is talking to the SEC. They're not only talking to the SEC about <laughs> the Bitcoin spot ETF, but there's a changing their filings to make it work with whatever they're being told. To be to make it work. But now what's being revealed in the latest BlackRock re re revised filing, when BlackRock, again, being the biggest company with the most money uh, in flow, is kind of that bellwether. You look to that that company just to see, okay, what's where's the wind blowing when it comes to uh, this flat, this uh, spot Bitcoin ETF? And BlackRock is coming out saying, well, as part of the protections that are required in a marketplace where there is a scarce commodity, Bitcoin, that the price can swing 5%, God forbid, 8% or 12%. That's the fun of it all, right? That's why we like crypto. It swings wildly. But that seems dangerous to a retail investor, says BlackRock's CEO, Mr. Fink. So we need to refile these applications that show that we're not only going to be backing our Bitcoin ETFs with Bitcoin, we're going to back it with traditional fiat central bank currencies. Have we heard like blended? Has that come into it yet? Like it's a blend blended, blended crypto? Hybrid. <laughs> There's some kind of way they're describing this where it's like, well, obviously, you need to have money 
to offset the swings that might actually occur in the Bitcoin market so that the Bitcoin ETF purchasers will then have a nice, stable, growing uh, asset. And when I hear that, all I now hear is, that's it. They've finally done it. The they fix is out. The fix was in before Thanksgiving. How to, but they figured out how to wire it and how to say it so they could basically keep running their crooked banking practices and just take that whole thing that they've done for slices of stock of Apple and Tesla and just drop into slices of crypto like Ethereum and Bitcoin. And they're just going to make money, so much money. <laughs> I look at that, I'm like, wow. It really is a sweet spot right now for the economy, especially if when you say the economy, you mean central bankers. <laughs> yes, and I think that somebody's probably feeding him that information, but it will it will catapult the S&P 500. The whole market will feel that rally. Um, it's not to say that a black swan event couldn't impact it, but when I saw that Bitcoin ETF filing update to, quote, make it easier for retail bankers to access Bitcoin. And really what the nuance of that meant was this this ability to price manipulate, ultimately, which we yes. talked about on the show, and, and yes. to fix the price. Now, the funny thing is, in the past six hours, so that was yesterday, that was yeah. uh, BlackRock ETF news yesterday. This is from Bloomberg Tax. I just found this article from today, 10 a.m., from Nicola White, a reporter at Bloomberg Tax. Uh, headline reads, first, U.S. crypto accounting rules capture token highs and lows. And uh -huh. we've talked about this. Rules go into effect 2025, but earlier adoption allowed. Dude, that first bullet point, look at that. Rules go into effect in 2025. We have been talking about that on this show for months. And now you've got application updated that says it's going to be a blended hybrid. We're going to have cash in there. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. <laughs> There's money in there. And then the accounting rules coming out that says we're going to basically capture what the high and the low is. So those swings that we're describing, that mass market fluctuation that can now be smoothed. But guess who's going to tell us what the high and the low is? And basically, you have to set that. You have to start, set the, the starting point for how we're going to tax you. How much mm -hmm. money did you make off of your gains? Exactly. I can't charge you capital gains tax unless I know how much you made. Oh, this is and crazy. Because after we found that posting on IRS.gov at like during hours on a Friday that showed that the 1st of January 2025 was the day, what we knew is this was going to be 18 months of wild, and not wild in the sense of really high and low swings, but wild in that Anyone with any large amount of money, whether they be an individual or a company, like we talked about Michael Saylor with MicroStrategies, if they can go buy tomorrow 150 to $500 million worth of Bitcoin, then the price will go up. If Elon Musk decides, I'm just going to divest myself of this much Bitcoin just to change the price, they can all do that. And they can even talk about it on social media because it is not yet regulated. So it created this Wild West environment for anyone who's paying attention like us to take advantage of it, but also to watch these big movers. Let's take it to one other big mover. When you think about people monkeying with prices, this is one that I had never seen before, okay? It's called the Security and Exchange Commission's Form D, as in the letter D. And this was announced on the 5th of December, but Elon Musk, oh, this is why his company, which I didn't even know existed, but he has a company, which is the X company's AI uh, arm. It's called XAI. Uh, they entered into an agreement to basically sell close to a billion dollars 
of unregistered securities. Now, if you hear someone say that, you think, well, isn't that exactly what Gary Kensler and the SEC and the CFTC and the DOJ and isn't that a token have been going around and fining people for doing that? They just got Chengreng Zhao, CZ, for doing that. They just got everyone's being taken off these exchanges for doing that. Well, it turns out that apparently if you don't sell to a whole lot of people, I want to say there's a number. It's like a weird number, like 28 or 34. Some sort of, there's probably a story behind that. But if you basically are selling it to a number less than like, you know, the general population on an exchange, then he doesn't actually trip the legal flag if you file this form D. So if you're in the business of, let's say, needing to like hide, not to use an ugly H word, but to hide, say, oh, I don't know, about a billion dollars worth of, of weird cryptocurrencies, then maybe you just go find some number between two and 24, you know, weird friends of yours who are down to sign the thing with the SEC and, and do that. And like you said, well, I didn't even see this, but you found that other post, which is sounds like he's launching a token and would not, wouldn't that be the token that ends up powering the X platform for all their uh, transactions? hundred percent. And, and if you wanted to seed it with a billion dollars, we, got it. Of we are on it with, with, with zero tax implications. Yes. And you do it. Yes, and exactly. And you do it on December 5th and you tell everyone. <laughs> and you tell everyone that you're doing it. You're telling everyone you're doing it within the rules of this 506, 503B, whatever the rule is. And the crazy one that I'm now looking at is from Reuters eight days ago. Elon Musk says his AI firm, XAI, is not raising funds right now. So how the hell are you going to offer $1 billion in unregistered securities and not go raise money? Well, guess what? He didn't need to. He's going to transfer this stuff. He'll put it into the decentralized holding company. It's a it's a it's a token in my mind, right? This is a this is exactly what this is. It is fractionalized ownership. It is likely on chain. He's understanding of the rules. He clearly has has been following all of this to have made the acquisition of X to have fired off all of his advertisers, take the loss, uh, push on freedom of speech we know he's a, a an advocate of doge if it, if it ends up being a billion in doge i mean i'm hoping it's a billion in pepe i mean let's go with the original meme well, could, but could be xai coin right i mean it could be his own coin it could be any of his own coin but i think the most important that you just described is that now he could fund that business theoretically in in these this now and then when you get to 2025 there's no there's no, no tax, tax record of it. You just, you just magically have a billion dollars of, of value on the books because you did it all in the in the in the quiet window when the IRS doesn't want to know. So, and this is by the way, if this were like if this were this time next year, and we were staring down at like two weeks until the year is over, I would be expecting this kind of stuff happening like every two hours with gigantic whales slash business owners moving large amounts of stuff whether it's crypto or securities or otherwise, via all these interesting little apparatus which, which allow you to do that. I would imagine that going down crazy a year from now. The fact that this is happening with Musk and XAI right now, a full year before it matters, says to me that this, he actually intends to start doing stuff with it next year, which if you were going to start doing stuff, aka having your users of the X platform transacting, and you could have almost a real-time test of of that without any tax implication. 
Like, so, so similarly, I think about like Elon Musk sort of mentality, right? Like every other car company that's doing any kind of autonomous driving in the world, any of them, electric or otherwise, uh, are only putting out products that they believe are really 100% safe for the consumers of the, of the vehicles and never saying words like autopilot and all the things that he has criticized for, for Tesla. But what does Elon do? Well, no, he just puts the software out, calls it a beta, makes people pay X amount of money per month for it. And then, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it makes your car crash into an ambulance, but you're like real-time testing the software. Well, now I imagine, gosh, you have a whole year to real-time test this XAI and the payment system and have zero tax implications because yeah. it's technically crypto and therefore the government doesn't want to know. Because if it was a billion dollars in cash and he was testing it, they would need to know because that's not okay. But the fact that it's specifically an unregistered security filed through this weird form D, then he doesn't have to tell anybody. So it seems to me like this is an amazing way to just seed test what is the appetite of the American consumer and the ability to hit buttons and transact broadly the same way that like Weibo and China might work. This X platform is going to become the one app to rule them all. Well, God, if you have an entire year of testing under the cloud of secrecy, uh, that no one can look at your transactions, why wouldn't you take advantage of that opportunity? So that, to me, screens, this is the beginning of a big story rolling into next year. Big it, story. It really is. I'm I'm going back to this Bloomberg tax article. It, companies, first paragraph, companies like enterprise software maker, MicroStrategy, and electric automaker, Tesla, uh, will get to capture the highs and lows of their cryptocurrency holdings under new accounting rules published Wednesday. Also, super interesting in the timing of that unregistered securities filing with the SEC days before this new accounting. Got to get, get that in. Because, oh, that rule didn't rules. even exist when I started this thing. That rule didn't exist because it straight up yeah. says changes in fair value will get recorded in net income. So you're going to be able to, uh, they're, they're going to have to report the ups and the downs of uh of the fair value of these cryptos. Super, well, yeah, super so interesting. Think about the ups and the downs. So this is like going back to my old days of Web1. Oh, and you get options. Right. You get optional shares <laughs> given to you. Or you get what are called RSUs, restricted stock restricted stock units. Um, RSUs are just stock. You get it and you can exercise it if you want. And it's at fair market value, that FMV that everybody knows, right? Well, the highs and lows are important because if you're an employee of the company and you want options in the future, and you're going to have them uh, vest on a schedule that's quarterly or whatever it is. Well, then you need to know the high and the low because your options are always struck with a haircut from the high. So that no matter what, you're going to get at least 25% value. Your Google stock options are going to make you more money in the future because you're getting them struck at a point. Often in the old days, when I mean, we would strike at the low point. That's how fishy it was. They were striking options almost like undervaluing them on purpose. That was a bunch of companies got in trouble, including Apple, back about backdating options back in those days. So now fast forward to today. Oh, I have a new Bitcoin spot ETF in 2024. And because we're tracking as of Wednesday, all the highs and the lows, then we now know if you're working for me and my new Tesla plant here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, well, I'm going to give you Bitcoin spot ETF options that are going to automatically be struck at the low value of that monthly swing so that no matter what, at the end of the month, you could exercise that and get cash through that. And then we'll, of course, tax it appropriately. I mean, you want to talk about creating a wild new 
of just a war chest of value for these companies. Yeah. Because now it's ownership and equity. Everybody can be an owner. And I keep coming back around to something we've been talking about for more than a year is this changing definition of ownership. And and I and I just think that it is it is an overarching theme in these technologies, in these we we we've just swung from artificial intelligence to blockchain technologies to, you know, talking about SEC regulation with AI. And at the end of the day, all of the implications and and unions striking deals with AI, at the end of the day, I think it does come around to it's it is it has the opportunity to create new value streams for businesses to incentivize and reward those who produce value. Uh, because I'll know you produced value. If the AI can show me what did you do versus what the robot did, then I can reward you and that can be on chain. And therefore that reward is fair and equitable and can be an option for the future value if you believe in this company and what we're doing together and you believe in yourself and what you're able to contribute to the value of this company. And oh, we want more people like that. That's a community. That's a project. That's an NFT DAO. That's what this whole Web3 vibes was all about. And I think it shows at least folks like me who otherwise would have not never gone down that path in minting NFTs, but to see what that community ownership can really mean in terms of creating value for a business. I think a lot of people think like owning a business or having equity in a business is something unattainable. It just feels so far out there. You got to have lawyers. You got to be an executive. You got to have a master's degree. You got to know somebody. You got to have a lot of money, whatever it may be. And I think we, with this AFL-CIO, with the, the strike, with the auto workers striking deals about what's going to be AI value created, or what value is the AI going to create versus the humans, and you're going to need a mechanism to track it, to tokenize it, and to reward and incentivize right. people. And I think we are, we are drawing a perfect circle around why I'm so bullish on 2024. And I yeah. think it'll take four yeah. years. I think it'll take four years to get, and that's probably the vesting schedule on those unregistered securities. Oh, you probably <laughs> it is. Bang, bang, nailed it. I mean, look, and what brings me back to the topic that I know you love, maybe we can close out on it, but, you know, is when you, everything that you just said, to me, sounds like we're going to see a potential future as all of the cryptocurrencies get accumulated between now and the beginning of 2025. And all the new rules and the highs and the lows and the vesting schedule can be worked out and the fractional ownership, maybe then the new market starts to have some kind of an overlay or a spillover into traditional markets. And you can imagine a day when a share of Apple or a share of Tesla or a share of Bitcoin is something that we all think of as NFTs, that there is something that is on the blockchain because until the entire existing, you know, um, NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange go full blockchain, there isn't really going to be the level of accountability that you're going to have coming in from the new tech. So when crypto comes through and all these new spot Bitcoin ETFs and everything else, it's going to almost create a whole new standard of, hey, here's how we transact in a way where kids on phones are hitting buttons and we are moving fractional shares. Well, God, how come I can't do that with my traditional portfolio? You know, and then that's why Fidelity is already in there. You know, they want my mother and her 401k to get fully cryptotized. They want the whole thing on the blockchain. They would much rather they look at swings of highs and lows. I mean, talk about a predictable market. I mean, if you can know the high and the low at all times, you can always make money. 
<laughs> if you're an institution that's in the business, handing out IOUs. It's almost like saying someone and aren't we aren't we in the business? Isn't our institution in the business of handing out IOUs? Yeah. Handing out IOUs. There you go. We'll leave it there. <laughs> we'll do it again next week uh, as we head into the so holidays. Good. Thank you, sir. Good talking to you, Matt. Catch you next week. That's all the time we have for this episode of Off the Record, On the Rocks. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. See you next time for more news and all things crypto and Web three.